0: Chair, staff is ready when you are.
1: Thank you. Good evening. Welcome to the Monday, August 7th, 2023, 6 p.m. Sacramento Youth Commission meeting. The meeting is now now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum?
0: Yes, good evening. Welcome to the meeting. Commissioners, when I call your name, please unmute yourself. Commissioner Bisrat. Present. Commissioner Bergen. Present. Commissioner Corliss. Present. Commissioner Fitt. Absent. Commissioner Fong. Present. Commissioner Morley. Present. Present. Commissioner Mercudar. Present. My apologies. Commissioner Orozco. Absent. Commissioner Patel. Commissioner Rios? Present. Commissioner Taylor? Present. Vice Chair Miller-Seguerta? Present. Chair Hsu? Present. Thank you, we have a quorum.
1: I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, select raise your hand to provide public comment. When the chair confirms the public comment, uh, when the chair confirms the public comment, speaking period for your desired item. If you are online, click on the raise raise hand button on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand button in the more tab. If you're calling via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine then to unmute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips, and the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plains Miwok, the Patwan-Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the Native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's Indigenous peoples' history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag, of the United States of America, and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our first business today is approval of a consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item?
0: Thank you, Chair. No, I have no speakers.
1: Great, thank you. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Okay, is there a motion and a second for the consent calendar?
2: Motion. All second.
1: Um, I have a motion by Vice Chair Miller Segura and a second by Commissioner Fong. Will the clerk please call the roll for a vote?
0: Yes, thank you, Chair. Again, please unmute. Commissioner Bizarret? Aye. Commissioner Bergen? Aye. Commissioner Corliss? Aye. Commissioner Fong? Aye. Commissioner Merley, Aye. Commissioner McQuadar? Aye. Commissioner Rios? Aye. Commissioner Taylor? Aye. Vice Chair miller Segura. Aye. Chair Hassou?
1: Aye.
0: Thank you. The motion passes.
1: We will now proceed to the discussion calendar. Item number two is the youth parks and community enrichment budget overview. Um, Is there a staff presentation?
0: My apologies, we're having issues. Just a moment, please. Technical difficulties. Would you like to start and then we'll try to get the slide up? Or is it connected that we need to wait? Well, I have, I have a PowerPoint. You have a PowerPoint? Okay. We're trying to download, just a moment. We'll try to download right now. Yes, my apologies. You're gonna to have to go ahead and continue where we try to get to the technical difficulties. Thank you.
3: Community Enrichment Department, there we go. I have a loud voice, but it <laughs> wasn't loud enough. Um, so we'll go ahead and get started. The presentation will be um, useful for viewing as we go through the slides when they get it, but we'll go ahead and wing it until then. Um, So again, I'm the director of our Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department, and here to um, share with you an overview of UPC's approved budget for fiscal year 23-24. I'm also joined by Renee Cawson, our program um, specialist, who will be providing an update on Measure L, or the Sacramento Children's Fund implementation. So the fiscal year 24 budget is $64.7 million for the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department and it funds 750 FTE, which equates to about 339 full-time staff and approximately 1,400 part-time and seasonal employees across the department. This budget supports the delivery of services through our programs, our parks, and recreation facilities at the current service levels that you're seeing. Our budget is administered through six main areas of operation that support our goals of creating pathways for youth development, quality parkland and recreation facilities, lifelong recreation and learning, and community livability and strong neighborhoods. All of these areas deliver core services that address address major quality of life issues across the city. That includes youth development, safe spaces for our youth and our more vulnerable populations to create a sense of community. They also touch on the impacts of homelessness and ways to address climate change that I'll talk about a little bit more. So some of the budget changes, it's gonna be a little bit difficult without seeing them on the slides, so hopefully when we get it loaded, I can go back to these these slides. But um, we have a few proposed changes that were approved when the budget was adopted back in June that will help to right size our department budget and operations. We included a $1.6 million increase in revenue as we are returning to pre-pandemic service levels and are also seeing higher participation in many of our programs at our special events, use of our parks, and in our facilities. We also consolidated several of our vacant positions that had been very difficult to fill um, to offset the addition of positions that better support our operations and manage some of our spaces, like the Clooney Community Center and the McKinley Rose Garden, that our department recently reassumed operations of actually back in December of 2022. Um, This budget also includes the additional funding for the maintenance of Del Rio Trail, but that expense was offset by the revenue increases. There are also two changes that were updated into the budget just before adoption. Um, The first of those was the Office of Youth Development moving from the City Manager's Office under the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department in an effort to streamline operations for more efficiency and direct support for the services that that department provides that office provides, excuse me. Also the addition of two full-time park rangers um, was added to our budget as our current staffing levels are insufficient for the growing number of parks that we manage and also the volume of three-on-one calls that our park safety team is tasked with. We'll also talk about those more in a few minutes. So I'm gonna jump into um, some of the different services and sections of the department that I spoke about just a moment ago. The first is our administration services team. So this admin and fiscal services team directly supports Gypsy's budget and fiscal services, human resources, procurement, and admin operations. This team manages over $34 million in grant program projects and various lease agreements. That includes our citywide golf course operations, Sacramento Horsemen's Association, um, and other leases similar to that. Our park safety team um, is comprised of 13 park safety staff and soon to be 15 with the additional positions that we received through the approval of this budget. Cool. Thanks, thanks, Sarah. I can just cue you up. You got it. All right. So, Sarah, can you actually go back a couple of slides to the? uh, There we go. Okay. So this is. This is an overview of our budget. So as I said, $64.7 million, and shows to you the, the six main areas of operation that support the work that is done within the Department of Youth Parks and Community Enrichment. And as I go through the presentation, I'll be kind of touching on each of these areas to give you a better understanding of what they're responsible for providing. One more, park safety, perfect. So our park safety team, again, soon to be 15 park rangers. With the additional positions that we receive through the approval of this budget this team is responsible for the service safety and preservation of all 235 parks uh, bike trails aquatics facilities and community centers our park our park rangers operate from 6am to 10pm 365 days per year. We have an average of three rangers on shift at one time and we respond to over 3,000 calls for service annually. The park safety team works collaboratively with other city staff and departments to respond to the impacts of homelessness in our parks and they lead cleanup efforts at our parks and open spaces citywide. Um, some something really interesting to note is our park safety staff were the first on scene. Um, this is actually very recent within the last three months to several critical incidents involving car accidents, water rescues, and crisis situations in our parks. Um, our team's quick action resulted in eight lives being saved. Um, so this team does some really incredible work across the city, small but mighty team. The youth workforce development, civic engagement, and expanded learning units includes 74 full-time staff and 672 part-time and seasonal staff. Annually over 800 young people participate in workforce development programs like Young Leaders of Tomorrow, Primetime Teen, Junior Recade, Landscape and Learning, averaging over a $1 million investment directly in the hands of young people through salaries and stipends. The civic engagement team that you know very well um, supports the Sacramento Youth Commission and this group. Um, I'm sorry, Sacramento Youth Commission and Summer at City Hall. The Summer at City Hall program, Commissioner Morley, who you heard a fabulous uh, speech by, just graduated 68 youth, nearly doubling their participation from last year. UPSI also delivers the 4th R program, which is a year-round licensed child care program. This program serves over 2,000 youth annually. We're at 19 locations across the city in three different school districts, providing critical support for working families. We also partner with Child Action to remove barriers for families to provide access to quality child care. And our expanded learning programs also include START and our middle school ACES program, These programs receive grant funds and support over 2,000 youth annually in the before and after school environment. Our community enrichment team includes 100 full-time staff and 562 seasonal and part-time staff. Um, They're responsible for a variety of programs and services for residents of all ages and abilities. You will be hearing from our community center team uh, this evening, so I'll save their highlights for that presentation but our community centers do provide primarily free programming and access to safe space for youth, teens, adults, older adults, seniors, and families citywide. We work closely with youth youth serving nonprofits and community partners that utilize our community centers for programs and services. In the last fiscal year, we waived over $200,000 through council approved fee waivers and fee reduction programs for uses of our spaces. The aquatic section operates 17 pools citywide, including the regional aquatics complex at North Natomas. Each summer, we have over 100,000 visits to recreation swim. Um, other programs out of aquatics include swim lessons and water safety classes, swim team, junior lifeguard, lifeguarding, fitness classes, and special events. And in this last fiscal year, Over $30,000 was awarded in swim safe scholarships for youth youth across Sacramento to access free lessons and lifeguard training scholarships. Our older adult services section, also operating out of community enrichment, is responsible for the Hart Senior Center to provide opportunities for health and wellness, social connections and resources for our older adult community. They also provide respite for more than 80 families and caregivers through our Triple R program, which is an adult licensed daycare program for older adults with dementia, and we have three of those locations across the city. Access Leisure provides accessible programs and opportunities for youth, teens, and adults with with disabilities. This includes an adaptive sports program, social programs, outdoor recreations and camps, um, and also programs for our veterans. And then our reservations office issues permits for all 235 parks, supporting over 12,000 youth through permitted sports field play just this last fiscal year. Our special event team is also responsible for permitting um, over 350 events citywide. And then many people don't know out of our youth parks and community enrichment department is the operation of Camp Sacramento, which is an El Dorado National Forest This program supports the mental and physical wellness through outdoor recreation, nature, and environmental education. Our park maintenance team is supported by 125 full-time park maintenance employees and 10 seasonal staff. They are responsible for the daily care, maintenance, and maintenance of the city's 235 parks, community gardens, bike trails, and open space that spans over about 4,000 acres. This space is used daily by youth and families citywide. Our current funding for staff levels provides only for the very basic landscape services and general upkeep. We refer to this as mow, blow, and go. Um, It's a concept that we use for all 235 of our parks, but our team does much more than that. Um, In addition to the daily maintenance, including landscape, they also are responsible for cleaning restrooms and and picking up trash across the park, They're tasked with responding to over 2,600 three-on-one calls each fiscal year for additional service matters of concern, including safety, environmental sustainability, litter removal, and vandalism. In the last fiscal year, staff took on the additional responsibility of five new parks and new community gardens, also the treasured McKinley Rose Garden that I spoke about earlier. Our park planning and development services team includes 14 full-time employees and they deliver millions of dollars in park projects that directly support access to safe space in our parks and facilities. The staffing is funded through CIP budgets and PIF and Quimby funds. So far this year, the park planning and development services team has delivered over $10 million in citywide projects with over 62 active projects valued at approximately $32 million. I'll share some of those in just a moment. Uh, we have established additional capital improvement projects for this current fiscal year that prioritize the health and safety, um, that prioritize health and safety and they'll also improve the quality of life for young people and families. A few of those allocations include Southside Park and Pool improvements, restroom improvements at Fremont Park, and renovations to the Mangan Clubhouse. So YPSI has been diligently addressing uh, the deferred maintenance burden, completing over $6 million in deferred maintenance this last fiscal year. Our total deferred maintenance exceeds $130 million and it continues to be an area of focus for our team. We've been securing grants and we use surplus funds remaining at the end of each fiscal year to address priority projects per council resolution that was approved a few years ago. Last fiscal year, we carried over $4.7 million over to apply to deferred maintenance projects, again, prioritizing safety um, safety issues and benefits to more of our disadvantaged communities. Some of the recently completed or planned projects for this upcoming fiscal year include the Regency, I'm sorry, for this past fiscal year, include the Regency Park pump truck. Some of those you'll see pictured here. Hagenwood all-weather sports field replacement, which is that middle photo. And then Mama Mark's splash pad conversion that will actually be scheduled to be completed next summer. We did renovations at Nielsen and Lawrence Park. And then the bottom photo right there is McClatchy pool resurfacing that was completed just in time for summer operations. Um, And then a Pinnell pool heater and pump replacement to be able to activate the Pinnell pool um, extending beyond the summer season. So now for a few of our department-wide highlights from this last fiscal year. So, YPSI invests over $24.5 million annually in youth ages 0 to 24. That's through direct program delivery and also through partnerships with nonprofit organizations and community careholders. Direct programs and services have all been mentioned in this presentation tonight. That includes our youth workforce development programs, free um, and after school camps and programs, aquatic safety and swim lessons, access to free wellness rooms within our community centers, family special events, and more. Our older adult services program expanded this year into community centers and Heart Senior Center uh, in an effort to respond to the social isolation that many of our older adults experienced during the pandemic. We saw a significant increase in all of our senior programs citywide. Additionally, our Triple R program that I mentioned before was selected as a model licensed adult day program and received a grant to address the health and well-being of older adults and their caregivers to advance health, uh, health equity. Also this year, to address disparities in service levels in our park system, YPSI developed Sacramento's first GIS amenity equity lens dashboard, that's a mapping tool that analyzes park amenity data through an equity lens. This mapping tool will allow us to better understand the overall distribution of amenities in relation to under-resourced communities in Sacramento. And equity scores will determine if a particular Uh, Field for example has a high potential to serve an under-resourced community and ensure investments in field maintenance are made equitably We are in the final stages of developing our parks plan 2040 and that will identify the community's vision and Priorities for the next 20 years as they relate to parks and facilities youth development and recreation and community enrichment We also completed North Natomas's first year of operations uh, serving thousands of youth and families citywide across the region with water safety recreation and community programs and events that sticker up top on the right um, is also a CPRS state award of excellence that the aquatics complex receive, received for facility design and Then we reassumed operations of the Clooney Community Center Shepherd Garden and Art Center and the uh, Frederick N. Evans Memorial Rose Garden back in December that was after 10 years of being operated by a nonprofit. We used all of the existing resources that we had available to us to keep these facilities open and we even expanded um, services for youth and families that you, you will hear more about from our community center team. We're all aware of the storms that impacted the city um, at the end of 2022 and early 2023. Our PEC maintenance staff took on additional emergency maintenance responsibilities following these devastating storms. They destroyed over 191 trees in our parks and damaged an additional 406 trees and the destruction was was an estimated $430,000 worth of park infrastructure that our park maintenance team continues to address now um, as we focus on restoration of our tree tree canopy. Okay, so for some objectives for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, So our goal is to complete our parks plan for 2040 for approval and adoption, and that will happen early next year. We also continue to develop the equity lens dashboard. We wanna make sure we include additional park amenities and eventually add facilities so that it can play a key role in the allocation of resources and investments that we're making. YPSI is committed to ensuring that diversity, equity, and inclusion are integrated into all of the decision-making, services, practices, policies, and procedures. We will continue to review our operations and processes with an equity lens and utilize tools like the dashboard um, that support equity and fairness. We're also committed to prioritizing deferred maintenance for our park and facility improvements. And we'll continue to be um, creative as we seek strategies uh, to fund the growing backlog of deferred maintenance. Our park maintenance team this uh, last year managed over 18,000 volunteer hours. So we're looking to really formalize our department-wide volunteer program that will involve our youth um, and make a significant impact on the quality of our parks. And programs while also creating additional opportunities for youth engagement and community stewardship. We will continue to support and lead climate sustainability efforts. This will include our community centers serving as cooling and respite centers for our at-risk populations and general public. We just activated Pinnell Community Center this last week during the heat wave um, and activated as a cooling center a couple of times throughout the month of July as well. Our maintenance and planning teams will focus on the protection, maintenance, and sustainability and also expansion of Sacramento's urban forest We will certainly have an emphasis on passive landscape areas and also some of our more under-landscaped neighborhoods. And we will continue to implement strategies for water conservation that will include upgrading, upgrading plumbing fixtures, irrigation, and doing turf conversions where possible. We are interested in pursuing joint use agreements and opportunities and collaborative relationships with our school districts and also our community partners to best serve our youth and families through parks and recreation facilities. And then as we continue to realign staff, we bring on the Office of Youth Development um, and also recover from the pandemic, we're gonna focus our efforts on creative recruitment strategies, retaining staff that we have, and also prioritizing really taking care of the team um, that's responsible for keeping our parks and facilities clean and providing safe space and programs for youth, adults, seniors, and families. We will also continue to expand uh, access to programs and services that support youth development, workforce development, safety, health, and wellness through direct program delivery, training, and partnerships with our community care holders. This will include the implementation of the Sacramento Children's Fund, or Measure L. So with that, I'd like to invite up Renee Kossin to provide an update on the implementation of Measure L and the Sacramento Children's Fund.
4: Thank you, Jackie, and good evening. Um, I am here, as Jackie said, to provide a brief overview of the Sacramento Children's Fund that you may also know as Measure L. Um, We had the opportunity to present some of this information at uh, Mayor Pro Tem Mai Vang's community convening, which I saw some of the youth commission there, so it's great to see you again. So just to provide a little bit of background history, um, in July of 2022, as you may know, the City Council voted to place Measure L on the ballot and uh, 62% of voters approved this measure. So this measure then established the Sacramento Children's Fund that will require, require the city to spend the equivalent of 40,000, 40% of the local te- cannabis tax revenues on child and youth services. I'm gonna define child and youth services a little bit later and kind of give the comparison between youth services and our fund goals, just so you can see um, how they kind of interact and how they will be interacting with Measure L. So, our Planning and Oversight Commission is currently being seated by the City Clerk's Office. Um, There are nine members of the Sacramento Children's Fund Planning and Oversight Commission. The Commission has the power and duty to work in consultation with you all, the Sacramento Youth Commission, to develop a five-year strategic plan, um, which I will be giving an update on as well. Uh, They will then conduct a review of the five-year strategic investment plan before the end of the third year. And we will also have them review and accept annual service reports, a three-year youth impact evaluation report, and a five-year youth impact performance report. This is going to be on fiscal and performance audits. They will then make recommendations to the City Council as a result of that plan and report those described in the Sacramento Child and Youth Health and Safety Act charter that was amended um, when Measure L was passed. So plan and report, I'm not going to read every single point on here, but uh, the commission has been tasked and will be tasked to develop and submit the five-year strategic plan to city council for adoption. Spending on youth services that are built out of the five-year strategic investment plan will begin once it is adopted. So we anticipate that um, being adopted July 1st of 2024. We currently will be um, covering administrative costs as we are developing the five-year strategic plan, um, who we are currently have an RFP out for to hire a consultant for that. Okay. So just to give a brief overview of our fund goals versus our youth services. So our fund goals are really what's going to drive um, our five-year strategic plan, and these are outlined in our Sacramento Children and Youth Health and Safety Act charter once again. So those are supporting the mental and emotional um, health and wellness of youth, preventing and reducing homelessness among youth. Um, Once again, we're focusing our youth 0 to 24 years of age. And that includes youth transitioning out of foster care. Um, We do have extended foster care and non-minor dependents that are part of our foster care system that are supported after the age of 18. We're preventing and reducing youth substance use, preventing Um, and reducing youth violence, and we also have a focus supporting the healthy development of children ages 0 to 5. Youth services will be the organizations or programs that are um, providing a support and, you know, reaching our implementation of five-year strategic investment plan, which is going to be a focus on mental health counseling and wellness services, substance use prevention, street outreach, violence intervention, and case management, youth workforce development, including career pathways that advance our city climate action goals, Uh, summer programming and after-school programming, and our early childhood education and family support services. So any organizations or any programs that will be funded have to meet these requirements, um, and that will be taken into consideration when we are also building out the five-year strategic investment plan. So this is a timeline that was um, previously presented at City Council when Jackie did her initial budget presentation. Right now we are in July. Um, As I said, the clerk's office is reviewing and they're starting to appoint some of the Oversight Commission members. Um, Their plan is to have their first orientation sometime in October, and then hopefully we'll be meeting together as the Sacramento Youth Commission and the Oversight Commission sometime in the new year, uh, hopefully January. With our strategic planning consultant, our RFP went out in July and it closes on August 11th. Uh, We will have a review panel that will be meeting on August 28th to select our RFP strategic planner who will be working um, to support the city and the Oversight Commission to develop the five-year strategic plan. And then we'll lead into some training of the Oversight Commission. Um, We will be developing a strategic planning process over the next year. Um, once again to hopefully be adopted by City Council on July 1st of 2024.
3: And that concludes our update on Measure L. Thank you, Renee. That concludes our presentation. We ended here, uh, the focus of our our budget for this year and really citywide is to ensure that we are valuing and taking care of the staff and the team that is responsible for delivering the incredible services that I shared with you tonight. These are just a few photos of some of the amazing staff. We have park maintenance staff on here, many of your civic engagement team that supports this commission um, pictured here, Um, but we have an incredible youth parks and community enrichment team um, that without them, um, all of the wonderful services that we see happening across the city would not be possible. We are happy to take any questions.
1: Great, thank you for the presentation. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item?
0: Yes, thank you, Chair. We have one online. Call on user one, can you hear us?
5: Yes, this is Lambert Davis, hearing an echo, but any time that I hear Director uh, Beecham, present uh, a report, I pay attention because I I saw some of her work at Hagenwood Park this summer, the wonderful festival there. There used to be a lot of festivals there when I was growing up there, a lot of activities, a lot of parades, pancake breakfasts, Grant uh, Grant Little League, all of that. lot of activities and she seems to uh not only verbally talk about equity but she she's implementing those type of programs and i've been on the road for a while uh this summer with the cheesecake but i when i left i heard that the pool was going to be open i haven't had a chance to check with people in the neighborhood i've been on the road But I was assured that that pool was gonna be open this summer, so I will be checking in on that. And if that did happen, I know she was crucial in making that happen because those young people need somewhere to swim other than walking somewhere else or catching a bus somewhere to go swim. So thank you.
0: Thank you for your comments. Chair, we have no further comments.
1: Awesome. Are there any commissioners who would wish to speak on this item? Vice Chair mills I
6: just want to say thank you so much for your presentation. All of that was really informative and helpful for us as a commission, especially with the proceeding with the Measure L collaboration. I just want to check in. Um, aside from Measure L, because we will be collaborating alongside that further in the future, uh, how can we as a commission support your efforts with the upcoming um allocation of money?
3: So we are well into the current fiscal year and um, something that we've been talking about as a staff is ensuring that um, as you are going to continue to hear this evening, um, hear updates from all of the programs and sections and divisions within the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Department um, and really bring the feedback that you're hearing to these meetings and have that dialogue with our staff to let us know um, you know, hear what the priorities are, help us to understand what the priorities are and where you would like to see those resources directed. Uh, we've been dealing with status quo budgets year after year, so our team is tasked with getting really creative and strategic in how we sort of reallocate some of our funds, identify vacant positions that can be better utilized elsewhere. Um, so we're looking to hear from you, you know, and, and really help us to, um, to take a closer look at where those services are needed. Thank you, great question.
1: Commissioner Fong.
2: Yeah. Your presentation answered all my questions, but I just wanted to thank you for all of your wonderful work and the presentation. Thank you.
1: Um, any other commissioners before I get my two cents? Okay, cool. Um, thank you again for the presentation. I really appreciate it, it was very informative. Um, and also thank you for the update um, for Measure L. I was out of town during um, the youth policy convening so I couldn't make it, but I definitely wish I could have been there. It was great to see the uh, material here. Um, I think as kind of a a note to all the commissioners, um, for those who are not uh, like graduating in like the next year and stuff like that, you will definitely um, have more time with um, joint meetings with the Planning and Oversight Commission and stuff like that. Um, So getting a jump on this Measure L stuff and having the opportunity to learn about it here early before we go into those meetings um, is really important. Um, Yeah, that's all I've got to say. Thank you for the presentation.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Great. we will now proceed to the next item. Item number three is the community centers and community recreation updates. Is there a staff presentation?
7: commissioners i'm katie hauser i'm the recreation manager supporting community centers community recreation older adult services and excess leisure and tonight we're going to be reviewing um, sort of the last year that we've had with community centers and our community recreation team community recreation is a really fancy term for youth and adult sports so um, i just wanted to clarify that before we got started Uh, Additionally, I have brought some team members with me to help present um, a couple of our program supervisors who uh, work out in the field, out at our community centers and in our sports programs, who really make the magic happen in the field, who really are responsible for the delivery of these programs. So I'm really proud to have them here uh, with us. So here's a list of our city-operated community centers. One of the big highlights for us this year that Jackie already mentioned was resuming operations of the Clooney Community Center, which we're now referring to as the McKinley Campus, actually, because it also includes the Shepherd Garden and Arts Center and the Rose Garden Room. That's right out in front of the Frederick and Evans Memorial Rose Garden. So we are adding new programming there um, for residents of all ages. We also started started a preschool program there this summer that will continue into the fall that we're really excited about. Additionally, North Otomis Community Center is operated by our aquatics team, but it's also one of our city operated community centers that we use right now primarily as an event and rental space. But we are working on putting more programming in during the week where there's more space. Um, the other update I wanted to provide for community centers is the Johnston Community Center, which is in District 2, um, was currently a leased facility or was previously a leased facility, um, and that lease just expired. and. Operations of that facility in the meantime has been turned over to the city So we're working with a couple of different community-based organizations to provide some programming in that space. Uh, So that's a uh, very very new update that I wanted to provide as well So with that I'd like to introduce Javier Rivas Javier is a program supervisor at the Pinnell Community Center Um, and so he's going to share with you what kind of programming and events and activities go on in our community centers, and then we'll move on to youth and adult sports.
8: Good evening, everybody. Uh, like Katie said, my name is Javier Rivas, Program Supervisor with Community Centers, um, and I want to share with you about some of our in-house programs that we offer. Um, we have uh, we offer programs for youth, teens, uh, adults and older adults. Um, for youth, we have early learning programs such as our REC program, which is uh, for ages three to five. And then we have youth after-school programs and summer camps, uh, which are for ages six to 12. Uh, and then Kids Night Out special events, which are fairly new. Um, it's an evening event for the same age group, ages uh, six to 12. Uh, and they all have different themes each time. Um, for teens, similar to Kids Night Out, we have Hotspot Remix events, uh, another late-night teen event. Um, and then we have the teen after-school programs, summer camps. Um, those are going to be for ages uh, 13 to 17. And then fairly new, we have a teen drop-in program, which uh, f- follows uh, right after our uh, teen summer camp hours as well. So teens have an opportunity to stay even longer at community centers. For adults... Uh, something we're particularly proud of is uh, we've increased uh, senior visits across community centers uh, to about 19,000 uh, visits in the past fiscal year, which is about a 200% growth from the previous uh, fiscal year. Um, and we, have, we do senior events, coffee socials, uh, fitness classes, Uh, sewing, ceramics, uh, neighborhood walks, which are pretty exciting. Uh, Some of our council members actually participate in that with us monthly. Um, And then more recently, we had the Sacramento Kings organization participate with uh, one of our neighborhood walks as well. Um, We're also uh, offering uh, programs and events for all ages, really focusing more on the uh, intergenerational aspect of recreation programming. Um, some of those are family bingo nights, uh, carnivals, which were referenced earlier, uh, movie nights. Uh, and then in addition to that, we've started to transition our drive-through events, which is something we saw uh, due to COVID. Uh, we started transitioning them into uh, in-person, uh, more in-person events. Uh, so it's, it's been really awesome to kind of reconnect with our community in that way and kind of get people uh, in person again. Uh, In addition to that, we have leisure enrichment uh, contract classes as well. Uh, This past fiscal year, we served about 6,000 adults and youth uh, through our leisure enrichment contract classes. Um, Aside from our REC program and contracted classes, all of our program offerings at community centers are uh, free of charge. In addition to these uh, in-house programs, community centers uh, continue to provide many other services, which I'll I'll talk about some of them. Uh, Our community centers are a space uh, for rentals for the community, so community members can rent our facilities for a variety of events. This past fiscal year, 22-23, we had 892 rental bookings uh, across community centers. Um, In addition to that, with City Council Resolution, uh, Jackie referenced it earlier, but we've waived over $200,000 in fees for uh, community-based organizations and nonprofits who serve youth and their families. Uh, Some of them are uh, AARP, uh, Square Root Academy, uh, organizations that essentially come in and, and help us serve the community. Um, In addition to to that with extreme weather conditions, uh, Jackie mentioned it earlier as well, but uh, some of our centers operate uh, respite centers uh, during emergency cooling, warming, and clean air shelters across the city. We also have other strategic partnerships which we're excited about. One of them is uh, with the Sacramento Library, the uh, Explore and Learn program for Um, caregivers and their children ages 0 to 5 which operate at a a couple community centers in Sacramento currently uh, Hagenwood and Pinnell and then additional to that we offer the Thomas Unified School District uh, and the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services uh, provide uh, free lunch and supper for youth and teens at community center programs as well we've also partnered with uh, Meals on Wheels uh, serving uh, about 13,000 uh, meals uh, between Pennell and Hagenwood, uh, hot meals for uh, seniors that are in those neighborhoods. Uh, and we try to pair, really pair those uh, with some of our own social events. Uh, so we really try to program uh, around meals on wheels cafe time so to kind of enhance the experience of the older adults that come uh, and through our programs. Some of those things are uh, all arts and crafts. Uh, we have uh, some tech help for older adults as well. In addition to that, we're we're really looking to expand on uh, our Meals on Wheels cafe sites uh, throughout the city of Sacramento at community centers. Last year, we also um, partnered with Sacramento County to provide accessible voting locations at uh, six of our community sites. Um, really providing that uh, service for uh, members of the community uh, in their own neighborhoods. And some other notable partnerships, uh, I I mentioned the Sacramento Kings a little bit earlier. Uh, Not only did they uh, participate in our neighborhood walks, they provided uh, swag bags for our older adults. And they also participated in a Yipsy, uh, kickoff summer kickoff event that we held at two sites. We held it at North Natomas Aquatics Center and at Pennell Community Center. And uh, they sent Slamson and they sent um, some of the king's talent. They gave out swag. Um, So we're really appreciative of that uh, partnership that we've built with them. Agency on Aging, serving older adults is another partnership. Uh, Kaiser, who is uh, offering some free fitness, in-person fitness classes for our older adults as well. So prior to the pandemic, our team was uh, working towards expanding our open hours uh to to get closer to some of the pre-pandemic levels which we're actually now seeing that we're exceeding some of those pre-pandemic levels so in january 2023 all community centers opened monday through friday 8 a.m to 8 p.m and then saturday 8 a.m to 12 p.m one of the things we've noticed that we're kind of super proud of is uh, with four of our wellness rooms that we have uh, at four community centers uh, because of those expanded hours, we've, we've seen 20,372 uh, wellness room visits. Uh, essentially, the wellness room provides treadmills, weights, um, pretty much a, a, almost a full fitness center for members of the public to use, which is also free. And the difference in the numbers is from the previous fiscal year, uh, we saw 8,800. So quite a big jump right there. So now I'll turn it back to uh, Katie for some facility updates.
7: Great, thank you. So Jackie referred to it a little bit in her presentation about the deferred maintenance projects that we have citywide. So recently there's some a couple of photos here. Um, we replaced the flooring at the coloma community center that's the top and the bottom photo there that facility is a historical facility over 100 years old so uh, we were really really happy to have that flooring replaced there Uh, in the the middle photo there are the front counter safety improvements so this work was done across community centers i think there's just one more community center that we're hoping to to complete in the fall um that provides some safety precautions for the staff who are working behind the front counters. And that's that middle photo itself, Natomas. We installed bottle fillers at all of our community centers and we replaced the flooring in our rose garden room um, when we took over operations again at, at the McKinley campus. So some upcoming projects that we have um, are adding and improving Wi-Fi across community centers. And actually, when we put this together, the wellness room flooring at Pinnell was an upcoming project. It actually just got completed, I think, like, last week, maybe. So there's new flooring in the fitness room um, at Pinnell and um, getting ready to install air quality sensors. Um, The Sacramento Softball Complex is having a major concrete repair project that will be happening in the fall as well um, around the cafe there, but really it will need to be in the whole facility, but we're just starting around the cafe. Um, And then we're also working on changing over some of the lights that, are, that light the ball fields um, to LED. So we're working through that now as well. And then at the 28th and B Skate Park, we're working on a vinyl mural that will go on that big entrance wall. And we're hoping to have that complete in May of 2024. So with that, um, we will talk a little bit about youth and adult sports. So we before we sort of reorganize things a little bit and Youth and adults, youth sports specifically is now in this this program area. Uh, So, with that, we brought on um, a new program supervisor who is very, very new to the city. Um, So, with that, I will introduce Tyler Ebenhoff, who will be talking a little about what we do with youth and adult sports.
9: Hello, thank you, Katie, for introducing me. Uh, as Katie said, I am fairly new in this position, so I've been really trying to get familiar with all of our facilities and our programs, um, but thanks for this opportunity to present in front of you. So we're going to start with the facilities, uh, and I'm lucky enough to oversee both of these. Um, it's going to be the 28th and B Skate, Park Ur- or Skate and Urban Art Park and the Sacramento Softball Complex. Uh, starting with the skate park, it's a very unique facility. Um, it does have uh, coverage over it, so we could operate at all times throughout the year. Um, it's pretty great to program and have special events, and we're not limited by this. Uh, we do have clinics and camps uh, year-round, and they're for ages five to 15. Uh, we do accept and accommodate for all skill levels, so you could be a first-time skater, or you could have some experience just looking to expand, get a little bit better. Uh, We do have special events out there. The first event that I was part of was uh, Go Skate Day. It was a really fun event where we had food vendors out there, um, some local skate uh, support uh, who had some booths. Um, We actually had a slideshow highlighting all of the things we've done in the past and we did highlight some of the, um, some of the old skaters who have contributed and donated to the skate park as well. Uh, We are looking to expand into special events, and we are uh, currently working through um, birthday birthday party rentals, which we've done in the past, but we had it put on hold uh, once the pandemic hit. Uh, We are actually going to have our first birthday party rental, from my understanding, for the first time since the pandemic um, at the end of this month. Another special event that we're working with, the South Natomas Sacramento Public Library, uh, is we're trying to bring... um, some uh, family uh, programming there, and we're looking to expand into zero to five-year-old, uh, where we're using some programs to get uh, more family families out there, um, but we wanna do a read and skate day, um, where we're incorporating story time and then uh, some open skating after, and trying to merge the two. Uh, we are open Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for open skate hours from 5.45 to 8.45 p.m., and also on Saturday and Sundays from 1 p.m to 8.45 p.m. For the 2023 fiscal year, the skate park actually had 6,000, over 6,000 visitors with a, uh, about 50% of them being the youth. Moving on to the Sacramento softball complex, uh, this is also a very unique uh, facility and it's, rare, it's very rare to have four ball fields in a gated location. Uh, so it does give us a lot of opportunity for uh, weekend tournaments as long as in special events and also programming. I'm just going to go through some of the amenities that we have out there, starting with the four lighted softball fields that could be adjusted for all levels of play. Uh, the four sand volleyball courts that could be used for rentals and uh, tournaments. Uh, and it's not limited just to volleyball, but we could utilize this space for um, different programming opportunities such as uh, sand soccer, orb sand soccer, spike ball, or uh, yeah, just having it uh, be a multi-use area. Uh, There's a playground out there and a parking lot that will accommodate up to 500 vehicles with overflow parking as well, um, which which gives us the opportunity to have some larger events out there. Uh, We host special events, adult softball leagues, and youth and adult baseball and softball tournaments, and we have a long list of tournament directors uh, with a high demand of trying to have softball or baseball tournaments over the weekend. And we're going to move on to youth sports. We do have youth sports year-round. We have special events, baseball and softball tournaments, uh, volleyball tournaments, and as I said, at the skate park, we have uh, rentals, or excuse me, camps and clinics, drop-in skate, and we do offer batting practice for youth and adults at the Sacramento Softball Complex for a rental. Speaking of our youth sports leagues, uh, all of our youth sports leagues that we do offer year-round, which we do uh, break it up with a different sport uh, per season, Uh, They're all free to the public. Uh, These include the NFL Flag Football League, the Junior uh, NBA Youth Basketball League, and the Junior Giants Baseball League, Baseball and Softball League. All these leagues depend on community volunteers to facilitate and enable the success of these programs. These free programs play a vital role uh, in fostering a sense of unity with the community while providing opportunities for young participants to develop their athletic abilities, but also their social and leadership skills. Through the collaborative efforts of our community volunteers, engaged staff, and young participants, we aim to create a cohesive and enriching environment, not only for the participants, uh, but for community members as well. Our youth sports leagues are introductory introductory programs uh, and cater to a a diverse skill level and age range as well. Each league is thoughtfully designed to encompass a range of engaging activities, including a skills clinic day. A dedicated day for volunteer coach training, one weekly practice session, and games scheduled for Saturdays. All league participants revert, receive jerseys, uh, sports equipment, sports swag, and certificates of participation. Breaking down each sport that we offer throughout the seasons uh, for the fall and winter, we have the NFL Flag Football League. That's gonna be our next uh, upcoming youth sport league. Uh, this is for ages 5 to 15, and we are expanding into younger uh, ages uh, where we're gonna be focusing on the 5 and 6 and 7 year olds. Uh, we're proje- projected 300 athletes, which is a 200% increase for participation from the 2022 fiscal year. The locations that we'll utilize inc- include at Argonaut Park, Higginwood Park, and George Sim Park. Moving on to the winter and spring, we're gonna- we offer the Junior NBA Youth Basketball League. This is for the same uh, age. Uh, from 5 to 15. We, uh, the registration for this will open up in the winter, and we will be utilizing uh, Oak Park Community Center, uh, their gymnasium, uh, George Sim Community Center, and we're gonna be utilizing the outdoor uh, basketball courts at South Natomas Community Center, too. Lastly, for the summer, we offer the Junior Giants Baseball League. This is gonna be a slightly larger range uh, for who we accommodate from, from 5 to 18. And we have divisions for t-ball, minors, majors, seniors, uh, and we also have divisions for both uh, girls and boys and softball and baseball opportunities. Uh, Our current season actually just ended last Saturday. It was one of our largest uh, youth sports leagues that we've offered and we had over 1,000 participants, which is a 42% increase from the 2022 fiscal year. We utilized Land Park, which uh, we had all seven ball fields going on, on Saturdays, but we also use this uh, for practices as, practices as well. Moving on to adult sports. The first uh, adult sport that I would like to highlight is our softball leagues. Uh, we have divisions for men, men's, women's, and co-ed teams. The locations that we utilize are the Sacramento Softball Complex, Grant Park, Tahoe Park, and Franklin D Roosevelt Park. In the 2023 fiscal year, we had almost 4,000 adults that participated across the board in all these softball leagues. There was a total of 70 nights of league play in the entirety of the 2023 fiscal year. Speaking about the tournament and rentals at the Sacramento Softball Complex, I said there was a long list of tournament directors and we had 40 softball or volleyball tournaments uh, scheduled for the 2023 fiscal year. The special events we're trying to expand out there, and I wanted to use this opportunity to invite you to our upcoming uh, first-time Summer Sports uh, Fest. It's a special event at the Sacramento Softball Complex. It's gonna be uh, this Friday, August 11th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., and it's gonna be for all ages. Kids will be free, and adults are $5, and you could register online, or I could uh, get everybody a digital copy of that flyer as well. It is going to be an event that focuses on sports activities uh, that are going to include a youth and adult uh, home run derby, ultimate frisbee, sack races, kickball, bubble soccer, and then going through these activities, you earn raffle tickets, and then we'll have a raffle at the end of the event and hand out some really cool prizes. Uh, We will have uh, Dinger, the mascot from the Sacramento uh, River Cats, in attendance. And it will be a really fun opportunity for, for the families. Another exciting uh, opportunity for uh, us to offer something new to uh, our community is our upcoming adult basketball league. Uh, We've in the past focused on softball and we're looking to expand outside and uh, offer um, the community um, some new opportunities. Uh, This is going to be hosted at the uh, Oak Park uh, Community Center. And it's going to have divisions for both uh, men and women. It's a six-game season with a chance for playoffs, and the registration is going to open up this month, and the season is set to start in October. Uh, Thank you for your time, and I'm going to bring Katie back up.
2: Oh.
7: There we go. That concludes our presentation. Thank you so much for your time. And um, at this time we'll take questions.
1: Great. Thank you for the presentation clerk. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item?
0: Yes. Thank you chair. We have one online caller and user. Please unmute yourself.
5: Yes, this is Lambert Davis and uh, I have a lot of I'm, I'm very inspired by this. These reports. Because I keep hearing a park that's very dear to me, and that's Hagenwood Park. I keep hearing Hagenwood. Don't forget about the Robertson Community Center. That kind of gets overlooked sometimes. They got a lot of great programs there at the Robertson Community Center. And uh, you know, keep up the good job. Give uh, uh, Mrs. uh Jackie Beacham a raise, keep her on the payroll because I like her focus is on equity. And it's not just verbal. It's a lot of talk about equity, diversity, inclusion at City Hall. But this is one of the departments that really does implement it. It can be checked through that dashboard. So that's an outstanding report. And uh, I got a special treat for the people listening and part of this commission on public comments, not on the agenda. Thank you.
0: Thank you for your comments, Chair. That is all the speakers.
1: All right, great. Um, we'll now move to commissioners, Commissioner
5: Bisrock.
10: Um Firstly, thank you so much for your presentation, all three of you. Um, it was very informative. Um, now, I think that... All of the recreational activities sound so much fun, so engaging with the community, and they do sound like they've been long standing since before the pandemic, I'm assuming. And um, I personally haven't heard much about these um, opportunities, maybe because they aren't as much in my community in compared to other communities, but I was wondering if you guys have any measures to ensure that community members are aware of these recreational activities
7: because they can do a
10: lot to bring people together.
7: Thank you, that's a really great question. Um, yes, yeah, so they, especially um, our after school programs and our summer camp programs. Those are very historical programs. They've been around for a long time. They're called Rec Express and Teen Scene and then the summer programs are kids camp and the teen scene program is for summer is also teen scene. Um, so they, the pandemic sort of affected those numbers a little bit and those programs um, just because you know, participants were, it was just a, a, a difficult time. So um, as we returned after the pandemic, um, we really have tried to focus on remarketing those programs because there is a lot of activity that's happening on school campuses. So it's really really working with, with families and with the schools near our communities to really make sure that families know about the services that are offered. We have add, added additional programs, specifically the REC program, which is for three to five-year-olds. That one is new to post, post-COVID uh, because we just saw that that was a gap in service where we weren't really you know, doing a lot. We have some Tiny Top programs, um, but those are more preschool-focused. These are more recreational. Uh, zero to, uh, three- to five-year-old programs. So we really have, actually that's something that we did um, this summer, I think it started, um, we first sent our first monthly email out. But we're trying to really focus in on a really intentional marketing strategy um, that not it only is for community centers, but for all of our programs. So we started that, I think in April, right before summer program registration opened. So those are going out monthly now on a regular basis. If you haven't received those emails, you can sign up in ActiveNet, it's our registration system that's uh, on the city's website. You just sign up for an account and then you'll get those emails on a monthly basis. And then we use that information as well uh, for social media. And so hopefully everybody is following our EFC social channels. uh, The marketing team has been making a, a very, very concentrated effort on making sure that the community knows about these programs. So it's definitely something that we've been working on.
1: Commissioner Morley.
11: I wanted to firstly thank all of you for your wonderful presentation. It makes me very happy to hear about all of the constant resilience and rebuilding of community around Sacramento. Um, Kind of piggybacking off of Commissioner Bisrat, I would recommend, I know a lot of city council members have newsletters. If you want to spread the word, I think it would be amazing if you guys started to reach out to their offices to um, basically just spread awareness about all these amazing events. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you.
1: Commissioner Rios.
2: Thank you for the presentation. These programs sound very beneficial, um, but I would like to suggest a program maybe focused towards adults that do not speak English. Um, I believe this would be very beneficial to the youth because sometimes, well, coming from the standpoint uh, of someone like whose parent may not speak English, um, it, can be, it can conflict with daily life and school And so I believe having a program for uh, adults to be able to learn English would be uh, really beneficial.
7: That's a great suggestion thank you.
2: Are there any other
1: commissioners wishing to comment? Okay great um thank you all three of you so much for the presentation it was very informative I appreciate it. Um, I think I'd like to piggyback off of what Commissioner Morley and Commissioner Biza were saying I think that um, especially for um, the like athletic recreation opportunities, um, having more publicity about those. I know that like I did junior giants um, when I was a kid and stuff like that, and it was awesome, and like doing like all those sports activities. But I think as um, people grow older and kind of maybe like age out, um, if you will, of those activities, having like increased publicity targeted to like older groups, even like kids like us or adults, um, so that the participation for those athletic opportunities. Um, can stay at the same levels would be like really, really great for the community just to like continue to stay active and interact with other people. Thank you. Great, cool. Um, This item is received and filed, so no vote is required. We will move on to the next item. Uh, Item number four is the violent crime reduction strategy. Is there a presentation?
12: All right. Good evening, Sacramento youth, uh, youth commission. Thank you again for inviting me to speak to you about Sacramento police departments, violent crime reduction strategy. I was here. Actually, I wasn't here. I was on zoom, um, probably early of last year. And I talked about, um, our violent crime strategy as we were kind of developing the strategy at that time. So again, thank you for allowing me to come in. I'm Brent Connie, I'm a Lieutenant with the Sacramento police department and I've been with the department for about 21 years now. I'm currently assigned to our Recruiting Backgrounds and Youth Services Division. And primarily what this uh, presentation is, going to be a high overview of our strategy, as well as talking about our outreach um, efforts that we're taking to reduce the violent crimes. Um, very timely um, topic that we'll be talking about. Um, I saw that the California released their annual report on June 30th of this year, and they talked about violent crime is up 6.1%. Property crimes are up 6.2%. Uh, Robberies are up 10.2%, and fortunately, homicides are down slightly. However, again, it is concerning that uh, many of these crimes are up. Okay, a little bit about the Sacramento Police Department. We were established in 1849. If you take a look look at the map, we're approximately 101 square miles, and we're broken down into six different districts. Uh, You can see the current population. We are the sixth largest city in California. And Chief Kathy Lester is our current Chief of Police, and she is the first female Chief of Police of Sacramento. The mission of the Sacramento Police Department, I'd say the key part of our mission is to work in partnership with the community um, to protect life and property, solve neighborhood problems, and enhance the quality of life in our city. Some more things about our department. We are roughly about 699 sworn officers. We have 275 professional staff, um, and we have a budget of two twenty 220, or two hundred twenty-eight million. Um, last fiscal year, we were about two hundred twenty-four million, and the total total city's approved budget was one point five million. Here is kind of an organizational chart of the department. You could see we have the chief of police at the top, and we have uh, her office of the chief of police, and then we have three different offices: the office of specialized services. Office of Investigation and the Office of Field Services. And you can kind of see the breakdown of the uh, the managers um, within the police department. Uh, again, we are very into using utilizing technology to our advantage. So you could see a couple things up there. You guys have probably all seen the uh, pod devices up at the traffic lights. Um, those are have license plate readers as well as video uh, cameras on there. And we're able to solve many of our crimes through the use of police observation devices. Um, I don't know why it is moving through like that. Um, We're also very much into uh, technology with our micro drones. Uh, We have the tasers, we have the body-worn cameras, Um, and then we have what's called spider technologies, which basically utilizes a customer service platform so an officer responds to your residence. Uh, You actually will get a, a text message alert and you're able to provide some feedback to those officers. Is there a way we could turn off the the 20 second timing on this? Okay. All right. I'll just keep going back. Appreciate that. let me skip ahead to where we were at. Okay, real quick. So basically, our our uh, violent crime strategy we've we've relied upon a focused deterrence model, and um, what we found is that a lot of the crimes, which I'll show in a, a, a future slide, um, the city is about 100 square miles, and what we found is that over 50 or nearly 50 percent of the crimes that were occurring, the violent crimes. Um, were happening within the seven square miles. So that's about 7% of the city where these violent crimes were occurring. Let me skip to that so you can kind of see that. So yeah, right there. So nearly 50% of the violent crimes were occurring within these seven square miles. So part of working in the uh, outreach portion of this, we partnered up with a lot of people. And basically we realized that fighting violent crimes is, is a shared responsibility and that we cannot, the police cannot do it to, um, by themselves. They have to rely upon partners. So one of the things that we've done is relied upon our community-based organizations. Um, so let me go back to this slide right here. So the Office of Violent Prevention, which is headed by Dr. Nicole Clavo, was previously part of the city. It now falls underneath the police department. Um, with Dr. Clavo, we've been able to establish what's called a referral process system. So we get individuals, uh, patrol officers may come in contact with an individual, whether they're arrested or maybe they're, they go to a, a family disturbance call. If the officer believes that this person um, is in need of some resources, then they, they complete what's called an information report. And it's a referral that comes to our outreach department, or section. We then work our, with our community-based organizations to provide various resources from anger management, to uh, substance abuse, so whatever assistance they might need, we provide those services to them. If you guys look up there, you can see we also, we have developed a critical incident response. So we have community-based organizations that if we have a shooting, we have a homicide, we have some type of critical incident which is gonna respond or require uh, community response, we're able to get some community-based organizations out there who are able to help us out Help in a lot of ways, kind of de-escalate and diffuse the situation out on scene. We've also established which is what uh, a system which is called a Drip or a Disruption Response Intervention or Prevention. So, for example, this season the King Sacramento Kings did very well. Well, what happens? Um, it brings a lot of people to that specific area. So, if a specific command sees that there could potentially be some issues or problems they could request assistance from our community-based organization. So that's kind of a, kind of a, a pre-planned event, whereas the critical incident is something just happened and they, they need assistance. These are some of the community-based organizations that we work closely with. The city has contracted with them. Um, you can see up there, there's SAR, there's HOPE, Neighborhood Wellness, Voices of Youth, um, Brother to Brother. So we work very closely with them. On a uh, bi-monthly, bi-weekly basis, we meet up with the community-based organizations and we talk about the different referrals that we've received and kind of how we can help out the, uh, those individuals. Um, it also extends not only to the, the individual that we get the referral on, but perhaps maybe to their family members or to their friends as well. So we have several examples of success stories where we've been able to help a person kind of get out of um, um, a violent um, lifestyle. Um, let's see, I'm sorry about that. This thing is kind of jumping around. A Couple other things I wanted to highlight that we're doing within the um, communities. So we did, we partnered up with Sac State, the Institute of Social Research, and we did community listening sessions. So I talked about the kind of the, the violent crime areas. So primarily we've identified three areas, Oak Park, Del Paso Heights, and kind of the Valley High, Center Parkway, Mac Road, Meadowview area. So those are primarily the driving areas of where a lot of these crimes are occurring. So we conducted listening sessions within each of the focus areas. We utilized our community-based organizations to gather individuals that came in. Um, We presented data um, about the violent crimes, about the seven square miles, which I just talked about, and uh, really got the feedback from the community about what their thoughts are on their interactions with the police department, uh, what's their experiences with violent crimes, with gun violence, Um, and primarily the biggest part was what were their recommendations to the police department. Because historically the police department, we have an issue, we saturate that area with a lot of police officers, we do a lot of enforcement. Um, It may fix the issue momentarily, but in a lot of ways that does not build the trust that we want within those communities. So one of the things that stuck out with the uh, listening sessions is they talked about this recommendation number one of preventing gun violence with community resources and support for the youth. So I'm very happy to see the prior presenters who talked about YPSI and the expansion of the hours for the community centers, the different sporting type of events. I think those are great and really what the community is looking looking to get um, from the city. The other recommendation was building trust through engagement in community-oriented policing. So we've established uh, community-oriented policing teams. Um, my entire time with the police department, which I said was 21 years, really we have focused on working with the community, building those partnerships, um, and building upon that trust within those areas. Um, one of the things I know that um, a lot of times in the problem areas is you tend to get officers that in the violent areas or in the areas that are much busier, you have a lot of the newer officers. So the hope really is that we're able to get officers, and I know the community is asking for this, they wanna be able to recognize who their neighborhood officer is, who they need to go to, who they can trust, and who they could be in contact with. So in, in, in getting back to the listening sessions, we did three listening sessions, one within each of the focus areas. We also recognize that the youth has a a very critical and and important role in providing feedback. So we did a separate youth listening session um, that was done at the Rose um, Center over off of Franklin Boulevard. Uh, We were able to gather about 30 youth throughout the city and they provided um, their recommendations and their feedback about what the police department was doing and how we can improve the, the relations with that. Um, on top of this, we wanted to also get allow everybody to kind of give feedback, so we did um, uh, door hangers. So basically, we were able to calculate there are about 19,000 residences within the three focus areas, and we partnered up with not only our community-based organizations, we utilized a lot of our youth from our different cadet and magnet programs, um, utilized many of officers, and we hand-delivered the door hangers, which included a survey Uh, QR code survey to these residences. From the 19,000 door hangers that we were able to drop off and deliver, we got about 2,200 responses. Um, From that, we took uh, ISR, who we partnered up with from Sac State, they took out those that didn't complete 80% of the survey, those that were under 18, and those that did not live within the focus areas, took those out, so we had about 1,800 surveys that came out. And it was the same thing that came out from the listening sessions is, They wanted to know their officer that worked their area, and they wanted more programs for not only the youth, but for those community members. So really the department is focusing upon how can we really address these and help out the community and kind of meet their needs with these listening sessions and with the door hangers. Um, Another thing that we've worked on, or another thing that uh, the Sacramento Police Department has been able to get is uh, what's called a public safety partnership grant from the federal government. Uh, Basically, it it provides technical assistance, uh, helps us come up with best practices, allows our officers to to visit different agencies across the country who have really good programs. Um, And uh, basically kind of evaluating what we're doing with our violent crime strategy. Uh, Gun buyback events, I don't know if you guys have heard about. We've, uh, my time with the outreach unit, we've had three separate gun buyback events. You could see up there um, we've been able to get 542 firearms turned in uh, we were able to get money through different organizations and we gave gift cards in exchange for those guns that were turned in one of the key things with the gun buybacks is it was no questions asked no identification required basically it was like a drive-through they kept they were instructed to keep their firearms inside of the trunk of their vehicle officers retrieved the, retrieved the firearm from the vehicle and then in turn were provided a 50 to $100 gift card um, based upon whatever firearm that they turned in. So very good results with that. One of the things that we wanted to avoid is sometimes you have um, elderly members or you have somebody that has a firearm in the house. What we don't want is our home to get burglarized, that firearm then to be used in a crime in turn. So um, very successful event. Um, I know that uh, the state is looking to put out a grant to, per- to be able to allow agencies to do more of these gun buyback events, and the hope is that our department will be able to get some of that grant money to be able to put on some more of these gun buyback events. Um, like the chief says, community safety is a shared responsibility, so like we talked about, uh, partnering up with community-based organizations, uh, getting the feedback from the community is very crucial and very important. Um, Sorry I'm jumping around, but this thing keeps um, jumping. A Couple other things I kind of wanted to hit on. Um, with our violent crime strategy, we wanted to focus on three different things. We wanted to be focused, we wanted to be balanced, and we wanted to be fair. So again, what we found is that a lot of the drivers of violence within the communities, it's not a majority, but it's like that less than 1% of those individuals. So with that, we want to be focused, we want to make sure that we're targeting those individuals and not only targeting, but also hopefully getting them out of the different lifestyles of being in those violent lifestyles and providing resources. Uh, we also want it to be balanced, so a prevention and intervention portion of it, so that's why we work very closely with our community-based organizations. And then also we want it to be fair, so um, the, the importance of procedural justice, so fairness, voice, respect, and transparency, that is all intertwined, interwoven, and really stressed with our officers. Um, that are working out on the streets at this point. Um, And then these are just different stats on um, kind of gun violence and our violent crimes. So with that said, um, are there any questions of me at all?
1: Thank you for your presentation, clerk. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item?
0: Thank you, chair. We have one speaker online. Caller and user one, can you please unmute? Caller user one, can you please unmute? Okay, thank you.
2: We'll go ahead and proceed.
1: Great, okay, Commissioner comments? Commissioner Rios?
2: Thank you for the presentation, it was very informative. Um, I have a few questions. one is, what is being done to make sure that officers are patrolling like the same community so that youth can get to know their officers? Because I believe that's really important. Yeah, great question. I would say that's, again, that's one of
12: our concerns is that typically in a lot of the busier areas, you tend to get officers that are younger um, work in that area. Just so you know that our, our patrol division, we're very young there. Um, but the hope is that you know, when I came on, a lot of times you would start to work an area, you'd get to know it, and there would be that desire to kind of stay and work in that area. Um, the hope is that within those communities, you really get to know, or the community gets to know their POP officers, or the community-oriented policing officers that actually work that area. Um, but again, it's, it, it, it's uh, for us, we sign up every year, um, based upon your seniority, you work a specific area. And then on a quarterly basis, officers are able to kind of move out of that area. So um, really the, the driver and hope is that just people get to get to know their area, get to know the people, and there's that inner desire to kind of stay and work in that area.
2: Okay, and one more question. Uh, where are the gun buybacks happening? And like, are there a certain number that are planned for the year, or how does that work?
12: Well, we've done three so far. So we were looking to do two per year. Um, so we'll see, really a, a lot of doing the gun buybacks is based upon if you, got, if you have the funding to do it. And in the last buyback event, we didn't have as much demand as we had in the prior two. So again, the hope is that uh, we are able to secure some more money so that way we can, because some of the agencies across the state, they give more money dependent on the type of gun that's given, for us, we just gave one set amount. It was $50 per firearm regardless. Thank you.
13: Mm-hmm.
12: Commissioner Bizrat.
10: thank you for your presentation. Um, I had one question, and you had um, talked about the referral process earlier in your presentation. I was wondering if there were any set criteria that an officer would have to base off to determine whether a individual needs a referral, or is it just like a just they just decide?
12: No. So, so great question on that. So, for this the specialty teams, which includes our um, POP teams, as well as our violent crime reduction teams, any gun arrest that they make, they, they complete a referral. So that referral would come to us. Now on the patrol side, there's a little bit more discretion. So if they come into an individual that's involved in a violent crime, maybe is is um, associated or maybe in the same vehicle where, where violent crime is occurring, um, or if they're if maybe affiliated with some type of gang, then, then a referral is completed on the patrol side of it. But a majority of the referrals that we're getting are from our specialty teams. As I talked about it earlier, a lot of the drivers of crime um, is a, a very small percentage of people, and that's really the ones that we're targeting.
10: And does this referral process require the engagement of the individual who was referred?
12: I'm sorry does it involve
10: like do they have to be engaged in like I don't know do they do you need to communicate with them or
12: yeah so a lot of times we'll ask the officers or the specialty teams is it better for another officer to recontact them or is it better for the community-based organization to contact them or in some instances it's better if both of them contact them together um, we've made a lot of contacts with individuals when they're going to their court dates, because sometimes it's very difficult to, to figure out where they live and to make contact with them. Um, we've had our community-based organizations, we've coordinated with the Sac County Main Jail, where maybe if somebody is in custody, we, we do a visit at that point, and it doesn't, co- it doesn't count towards their social visits. But again, we're trying to trying to help people out, and a lot of times, if they're in custody like that, perhaps they might be a lot more open to getting the resources. And again, it's not just limited to that individual. If we could maybe help out the brother, younger brother, younger sister, family member, we wanna do that as well.
2: Great to hear, thank you.
12: Commissioner Fong.
2: First of all, thank you for your presentation and all of your hard work. I was wondering what other resources there are for people who get referrals besides um, anger management and help with substance abuse, which you mentioned.
12: Yeah, there's a there's a, a myriad of different issues. When I came over to the outreach, we developed kind of a um, a resource list, and it's available on our website. There's I think it's about 30 pages at this point, but um, there's there's it, it's it's everything from tutoring and counseling to substance abuse. There's endless amounts of different types of resources that uh, that we're looking. If they want to get some. Job experience. If they want to go back and get their high school diploma, there's you know there's countless amounts of different resources. But that resource guide is available on our website, and I know a lot of our community partners are using that same resource guide.
13: Mm-hmm.
12: Commissioner Corliss.
14: Hi, um, thank you for the presentation. That was really informative. Um, I was wondering if you've done any um, youth. Uh, not specifically youth, but community outreach listening sessions like this on this scale before, uh, maybe pre-pandemic? Um, we did part.
12: We have partnered up with the University of San Diego and they did kind of a overall look at the police department with the community. Um, we're actually gonna be doing another one of those, but that was the last one that we did of those. So we kind of modeled the, the, the listening session that I talked about. I know San Diego, um, L.A. County did very similar type of listening sessions, so that's what we kind of modeled it off of. But there's nothing to the scale that I could think of that they've done that we we did um, last year. Thank you.
1: Any other commissioners wish to make a comment? Okay. Okay. Um, Thank you for your presentation. Um, I appreciate the follow-up. I've been on the commission for the past, I think, like two times that you've come for a presentation, um, so it's great to hear the consistency and um, how these programs have evolved over time. Um, so you referenced um, community-oriented policing a few times, um, and I understand that um, like pre-preventative measures uh, to violent crime, such as like mental health, um, mental health counseling, and stuff like that. So like, can you? Kind of outline what the community-oriented policing looks like within the Sacramento Police Department and how um, you go around interacting with the community and kind of the results that have come about with that.
12: Great. The, I say the, the the main thing is really kind of being visible within a community. Um, unfortunately, with our reorganization, like my job, I had outreach for the entire department. A lot of that stuff has been pushed down because we've done away with department outreach, is pushed down to the individual commands. I think there's Kind of some positives to that because really um, when, when we have large or we have community events they don't want to see like like me or the department person at the events they want to actually see who's the captain of that station who is the exec who are the officers that work the area at those community events so i think pushing those events the outreach events down to the commands is going to be a positive thing um, again it's going to allow people to really get to know who their officers are, not only the ones that are in charge, but the officers that are patrolling their areas um, to work that. So I think that's a a, a very positive thing is of of pushing down the outreach thing. Just being visible, I think being open. Um, One of the things that we found from the listening sessions is a lot of people aren't really aware of what we're doing with our violent crime strategy. So again, every opportunity, every contact that we have out there, I think it's key and it's important that we share what we're actually doing. Um, so that way people know, right? Because otherwise they don't. Um, other things of community-oriented policing, um, again, striving to get officers to kind of work in their areas a little bit longer. Um, and just, again, just kind of being visible within the community. Okay, um, so, like,
1: you talked a lot about visibility. Does it include anything else, like any other preventative measures um, to try to stop violent crimes before it happens rather than addressing the issue
12: after it happens? Yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously, you know, one of the things the community talked about is is really having those inter- positive interactions with the youth before they get involved in some type of violent crimes. I mean, we have a program called Shock where you, if you have a, a, a teenager, preteen teenager that's maybe getting some problems or issues, we have a shock program, which we partner up with the sheriff's department where they could go to and it's, it's, it's not shock where they're like scared straight or something like that. It's really where they'll get to know different officers. Um, they, they get to do different type of team building events. They get a tour of the, the courthouse and the jail. Um, and then they, they, they meet with a lot of the different community members, so. ah, uh, that's great to hear. I think that
1: um, kind of, if I may, I think it, it'd be good Um, to try to push for more types of preventative measures in community-oriented policing rather than addressing problems after they occur. I think it's much more effective to create trust between communities to have preventative measures, um, both on the police side, police trusting the community and community trusting the police. Um, If there are more types of preventative measures, more things that um, are not, Um, like fixes, like post facto, Um, but it's good to hear that there are um, community interactions um, that the police have with you. Um, Commissioner Morley.
11: Hi, I wanted to thank you for presenting all of these findings to us. I was curious when you mentioned um, now the SHOCKED program and partnering with um, the Sheriff's Office. I was curious if you, if SACPD would be interested in partnering with um, the Sheriff's Office to expand the gun buyback events to other places that basically are a part of Sacramento County, but you know, the technicalities. I was just wondering if you would see that being a thing in the future.
12: I would like that to be a thing in the future but again it's it's really de- dependent upon the administration of that department the sheriff if if they want to do it I know that um, you know talking to different agencies across this region some some departments were like no we don't want to have anything to do with a gun buyback so again you know we wanted to try something I know since I've been with the department they've always talked about doing a gun buyback but they never did it so we just decided hey let's do it and see what happens with it so um, if more people do it, I mean, I think I think that would be great. And I think one, one gun off the street is, is better than no guns off the street. So, Any other commissioners?
1: Okay. Um, I also would want to, like Commissioner Morley, encourage you to continue the gun battery programs. I think in your last presentation you kind of highlighted them. I think you had either done one or hadn't started them yet. But it's great to see that they're, like, getting off the ground um, and there are, um there are people who are participating in these programs. Um, I think it's something great that should continue within the community. Um, okay, yeah, thank you again so much for the presentation. I appreciate it. Um, this item is receiving files, so no vote is required. We will move on to the next item. Item number five is the overview of the upcoming youth summit. Staff presentation.
15: Great, thank you. Good evening, Chair, Vice Chair, and members of the Youth Commission. Uh, Welcome back from summer recess. It's exciting to have you all here tonight. Um, I'm here today to present to you about the Youth Summit being held at Sacramento State Student Union on Wednesday, August 9th from 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. To recap, um, I came to you with this item during the June meeting to gain feedback regarding some of the listening sessions. So just as a reminder, this youth summit is being led by Mayor Steinberg's office and co-sponsored by the California State University of Sacramento. The summit will bring together youth ages 16 to 24, employers, educators, service presi- and service providers to highlight what young people need from the workforce development ecosystem. Some of the breakout sessions are gonna include diving into AI. Programming with microcontrollers, summer youth academies at Sacramento State, power of wind with SMUD, interviewing for a job, a visit to the planetarium, STEAM resources, information, and opportunities at the Sacramento Public Library, um, what are employers looking for, best practices for developing industry relationships, communicating about yourself, and succeeding at applications and resumes. In addition to these breakout sessions, there's gonna be raffles held throughout the day, and I know that one of the prizes includes tickets to the Sacramento Republic game. Um, so I know there's gonna be some of us adult allies attending the summit, so we're all looking forward to seeing those of you that can make it there. Um, please share this with your networks and scan the QR code and sign up if you're interested in attending. That is my brief um, presentation on the Youth Summit. If there are any questions, comments, I'm happy to hear them and take them.
1: Great, thank you, Sarah, for the presentation. Are there any members of the public who would wish to comment on this item?
0: Thank you, Chair, yes, we have one speaker. Sarah
4: Michael
16: Gaston. Hi, SAC Youth Commission. Uh, My name is Sarah Michael Gaston, and I'm the Deputy Director at Youth Forward. Um, I just wanted to introduce myself uh, today and tell you a little bit about Youth Forward. Uh, I met some of the commissioners last week at the youth policy convening for the Sacramento Children's Fund and they invited me to join your meeting this evening. So uh, thank you so much for the invite. I just had to get a public comment in on one of the items before the evening was up. And um, (laughs) uh, Youth Forward is a policy advocacy and youth development nonprofit organization. Our mission is to create smart solutions to improve the health, education, and well-being of our most vulnerable children and youth. We do this by advocating for policy and systems changes that increase public investments in our young people, decriminalize our young people, and promote youth leadership in the decision-making process. So uh, what we're most known for is coordinating the SAC Kids First Coalition, and you all may have met uh, Monica Ruiz-Marez, who um, is on my team at Youth Forward, and um, we have helped uh, win Measure L and uh, create the Sacramento Children's Fund. Uh, We're also uh, working on um, having school districts uh, and probably the County Office of Education to mandate and require LGBTQ safe spaces on all middle schools and high schools in order to promote um, youth mental health, uh, especially for our queer and trans youth. As I'm sure you know, um, they have many um, mental health uh, challenges and risks. Uh, we also do work with native youth and um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the things we're doing and we would uh, look forward to uh, working with you with the Sacramento Children's Fund, and um, and we make sure to promote your voices on the Sacramento Children's Fund, that yours are really at the forefront. So, thank you. Thank you. Chair, that's all the speakers.
1: Great, thank you. Are there any members of the commission who wish to speak on this item? Okay, thank you again, thank you. Sarah, for the presentation. Um, Thank you, Sarah Michael, for the public comment. I work with her um, at Youth Forward. Oh, no, yeah, oh.
15: Are you making a comment? Sorry.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm thanking Sarah Michael for her. Uh, I was gonna, okay. yeah, sorry, it was, the two Sarah's, is confusing, uh, I get it, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, Commissioner Morley.
11: I'm sorry, it always comes to me later. Um, I strongly suggest if you can make it, please come to the Youth Summit. There are a lot of interesting findings and wonderful people, part of the team. So if you can make it, please, it'll be really cool.
1: OK, great. Any other commissioners wish to make public com- or comment before I move on? OK, great. Uh, this item does not require a vote. Next, on to item number six, Sacramento Youth Commission 2023 Working Group Updates.
13: Hi and good evening, Commissioners, Chair Sue, and Vice Chair Miller Segura. My name is Dominique Herndon, and I am the program coordinator for the Sacramento Youth Commission. I'm here to ask for an update on the work groups that were established at the June 5th business meeting. Those work groups were Aggie Square, Sacramento Youth Voice, and the Youth Mental Health, and those subgroups were Project Development and outreach and resource. This is a discussion item, so it's open for conversation. And is there anyone who would like to start us this evening?
1: Okay, hey, cool. Um, I think we'll do public comment first, and then we can do commissioner comment. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this item?
0: Thank you, Chair. We have no speakers who wish to speak.
1: Great, okay, commissioners. Don't all raise your hand at once, okay? Yeah. Commissioner Milosevic.
6: Um, okay, so I'm a part of the Aggie Square um, group and the mental health group. As for the mental health group, um, we, me and Kamora, we are both, uh, or sorry, Commissioner Morley, we are both on the outreach subgroup. Um, so unfortunately, Commissioner uh, Fitz um, is not here today to describe what um, she's been working on for the other aspects of the group working. But me and uh, Commissioner Morley have decided to focus on uh, youth uh, (laughs) publicity through social media works and also school um, works. We're going to try to connect with high schools, middle schools, possibly college campuses to get forth um, the finalized plan um, to advocate and to publicize what is decided on.
11: Did you want to add anything? Yeah. um, Piggybacking off of what Vice Chair miller Miller Segura, I'm so sorry, said, um, with us being a part of our other networks, I think that we can get this done very effectively, promoting through um, just connecting with our school districts, such as Sacramento Unified, and also going to community centers and collaborating. So I'm very excited to see the outcome of this. Thank you.
1: Great. Commissioner Stormy.
17: So I'm part of the youth voice group, and so and so far our idea is to collaborate with Sacramento County Youth Commission and also, and also open an, an Instagram account with a link to, to a Google form so we can get feedback from, uh, from youth across a bunch of different districts. The Google form has things like what's your name, where's your district, and then it asks things like what's your main concern in your neighborhood what can we do to help with that and then asks if there's anything if there's anything else at the end so that so that way we will be able to like have an idea of what of where each issue is and how to deal and how to handle them However, an issue with this idea is since we don't is since we don't have direct access to the Instagram account, we won't be able to directly um, engage with, say, comments or DMs from the youth.
1: Any other commissioners? or group updates. Okay, Commissioner Bisrat.
10: Um. I'm also on the youth voice work group and um, I just wanted to piggyback off of what Commissioner Bergen said. Um, we believe that since literally everybody is on social media mm-hmm. and um, the main focus of the youth voice work group is to firstly get our names out there so that people have familiarity with us and what we do. Um, the Instagram page would be most helpful to do so. and. Um, in order to make that rapport with the youth community we did we were thinking about like you know posting like pictures of one another and like introductions and stuff like that and those type of interactions with the youth would be more um, useful and more effective if we did have like hands on control which I'm not sure what the rules are for that but um, yeah that was our main you know obstacle
13: We will um, have a way for you guys to, like, share content, for the commissioner to share content with us, and we can post it. We may have to brainstorm on how to um, make it a little bit more hands-on and for you guys to be able to interact in the comments uh, section of it. So we'll have to do some, some thinking on that and uh, talk to our city attorney.
1: I think that'd be great if we can... Um have that type of like information and stuff because I think um, to really activate like the power of this working group, getting even just like one social media account um, so that we can have that like type of interaction would be really really powerful. Um, any other commissioners? Okay, um, I guess I'll talk about Aggie Square a little bit since I've kind of done some stuff with that before. Um, so our first um, stop was to kind of email Leslie from the city um, to see um, after their, pre- their like follow up presentation with us if they would be interested um, in like working with us again and stuff like that. Um, that's been kind of hard to get in contact with her, so we're still not in contact with her, but I think um, what we're thinking right now is to do a similar kind of listening session style event um, at a local community gathering place, whether that's a school, community center, A park or something like that um, in an area that will be more highly impacted um, by um, the Aggie Square development uh, and again gathering feedback and then engaging with the Aggie Square development team um, when they're farther down in this process with them creating more um, concrete programming concrete events um, and stuff like that rather than just having um, last time we kind of had more like amorphous ideas of what wanted to happen, but now they have more programs that are set, um, things that are set and I think it'd be a great opportunity for community members to provide feedback on um, a huge development that's gonna be happening um, in their community. So I think um, right now we're just waiting for contact um, so that we can come in, like begin communicating with the Aggie Square development team um, and starting that um, collaboration. Anyone else? Working group updates? Okay, cool. Um, This item does not require a vote. Um, Next up is member comments, ideas, questions, and meeting slash conference report. Um, This is when we go through. Commissioners can share anything that they've been doing recently to uplift youth voice. Um, Yeah, I guess, oh. um, I would like to share that um, if you would wish to have an agenda item on an upcoming um, an upcoming meeting, this would be the time um, where you could introduce an agenda item, ask for a vote, and then the commission can vote to have that on the next agenda. Uh, okay, clerk, can you call the roll um, so we can go through?
0: I don't believe I need to call the roll right now. You just
15: go, through, just each go
0: through each commissioner and, and just ask. Them. Okay, yeah. okay, my apologies. Okay.
10: <laughs> commissioner Bizrat. Um, well, I've mainly been enjoying my summer in this like interim period between high school and college. Um, I've been just kind of a little bit nervous so um, a lot of my extracurricular activities would tend to tie to school. So since right now, I'm not in college yet, there's not a lot for me to do. Um, so it's mainly been this and a poetry competition that I attended a couple weeks ago. We went fourth place, which was pretty cool, um, and yeah, that's about
17: it. Thank you. Commissioner Bergen? Um, I think it was the week before last week. I, I I attended the summer at City Hall presentations. They were all they were all really good, and I also um, attended the the L&L, uh work together thing, and everyone did, did well in that too. And this Wednesday, I do plan to attend the Youth Summit. Thank you, Commissioner Corliss.
14: Um. <clears throat> I've been focusing a lot on college and applying to college. But um, I am also a part of my school's connect team, which helps um, incoming freshmen kind of get oriented in the school. So I've been giving tours. And I've been, um, we have a listening session for our freshmen to uh, share their ideas with what they'd want for the school year. And um, I finished up an internship at Congresswoman Doris Matsui's office. Uh, which was really helpful um, because I was answering calls from people from all over the Sacramento area and um, their problems. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next couple months.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Fong.
2: Um, yeah, so I'm getting ready for the new school year, which starts for me in about a week and a half, and I'm going to uh, be welcoming all the incoming freshmen this Saturday, and I'm hoping to recruit a few of them for our um, Girls Rugby Team.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Morley.
11: Um, So during during the recess, I was fortunate to attend a pre-college program that happened at Yale University where I got to learn more about international politics that was very enriching. I also participated in the Alliance for Education Solutions which is actually the organization um, responsible for the Youth Summit, so please come to that again. (laughs) Um, We have a lot of amazing things to share Um, I also completed a few um, community college classes that were aligned with politics and civic engagement, and I started my um, Senate internship in Nancy Skinner's office, so I'm very happy to get to learn more about the legislative process and also answer phone calls, like Commissioner Carrillo was saying. Um, So yeah, it's been a very fun summer. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Commissioner
0: McCarter?
2: Um, Hello, I've also been preparing for college and going to orientation
15: and really just kind of enjoying my summer before I start school. Um, Recently, I attended the youth policy conveying, and that was really interesting to me because I was able to hear a lot of opinions about certain issues and really give my opinion as I was the only young person in my group. That's pretty much it.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Rios.
2: Well, I'm getting ready to start school on August 10th, and I just enrolled in college classes. Um, I'm going to be a freshman, so it'll be my first uh, day in high school. And it's not going to be the best because I'm getting braces the day before, so <laughs> my teeth are probably going to really hurt. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll be class president, and so hopefully, I'll get some programs and stuff that will benefit my school
10: thank you Commissioner Taylor um hello um I'm just very excited to be here um, this is my first meeting with the Sacramento Youth Commission and I'm just excited and looking forward to continue working with all of you thanks Thank You
0: Vice Chair Miller
6: Segura Um, I am one of the editors on our yearbook staff for my school, so recently I was fortunate enough to go on a retreat to the University of San Diego, along with a few other editors where we uh, decided on the page ladder and the theme of our yearbook for the year. We also won the first place within our group and won $500 towards the cover of our yearbook, which was super exciting. Um, So we have more aspects to add to it this year. I also attended the bridge program for my school, which is a program to help um, incoming freshmen assimilate to the environment, ask questions, and I've given them, a few of them, my contact information. So I've been getting the texts rolling in asking about school supplies and class advice, which has been fun. Um, it's fun to watch them learn about the new environment away from middle school. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Chair Sue.
1: Okay, Um, I think I told you all this, like, in June. Um, I've been interning with Youth Forward this summer, um, kind of engaging a lot more in the community-based organization, organizing space, doing a lot of stuff, um, going to SACCIS first meetings, learning more about kind of, like, the community side um, of youth advocacy. Um, I helped to, like, plan, I guess, the August 2nd convening and it, like I said earlier, like it sucked I couldn't be there. Um, but it seems like it went really well. Um, and I'm glad um, that the youth commissioners who went got to see um, the adult perspectives and provided the youth perspective in that space. So I think that's really important, especially because these decisions are going to be impacting us. It's a fund for us. So we definitely need to have um, that type of youth buy-in and youth, con- uh, youth contributions. Um, I would like to request an agenda item um, for next meeting. Um, as we all know, our staff do an awesome job of creating the agendas, providing us with information. Um, just like this agenda, it's always gem packed. There's lots of great information that help us to empower our voices to uplift youth. Um, and I think that um, having more clarification on both Uh, the roles that our staff can play and the roles that we can play within this collaborative environment um, can really help um, our collaboration going forward um, and help us enhance our ability to uplift youth voices. Um, So I'd just like to request an item uh, that kind of outlines the role of staff, the role of commissioners um, and how we should be um, interacting with each other and kind of like the expectations um, that both parties should have of each other um, to help us, like I said, empower youth voices um, in Sacramento. Um, yeah, so I don't, never done this before. Do we just like vote now or do you call the roll? Or
15: Can I turn it over to Kurt for advice on this? If, if, if you don't mind, do we just turn it over to a straight vote? It sounds like I've got clarity on what he wants added.
18: that with a specific title and a design, then we can have a commission vote to agendize it in a public meeting. So I personally wasn't clear on exactly what the the topic is, but if we can uh, have the commissioners comfortable with what that topic is, there can be a vote held on
4: it.
1: Okay, Um, do people want clarification? on those kind of like, don't be shy, I'm, I'm, I'm very willing to. Okay, I'm gonna clarify more. Um, so basically, um, uh, the adult allies and I um, had kind of like a string of communication that did not go as well um, as I had hoped. I think that um, I definitely had a lot of areas for improvement and I think that I wanted to kind of have this agenda item so that um, I could understand personally and so that others could understand what we can, what type of information, um, like when, and things like that we can expect of the adult allies, um, so we don't have unreasonable expectations when we want to um, set things into motion or to um, increase our areas for advocacy, um, and also so that the adult allies can have um, real expectations of how commissioners should be asking for these things, when commissioners should be asking for these things, um, to kind of set up a formal process and a baseline so that both parties know um, how these types of interactions um, kind of, I guess, like asking for things outside of formal business meetings should be happening. Is that is that more clear for people?
18: Yeah, and I defer to commission staff in regards to uh, if what the chair just said is more appropriate to just communications between staff and commission in regards to outlining processes, in regards to how communications take place and things of that nature. Uh, There's no legal prohibition about calendaring uh, or asking for a vote to put this on an agenda, but I just don't know if that's something that's more appropriate for Sarah to simply respond with uh, a written response to the commission on direction on how processes take place. So defer to you, Sarah.
15: Um, I'm happy to come back with with that um, you know This is how you request agenda items as you come to this portion of the meeting and you say hey I'm interested I would like to recommend that we hear um, from this and we can take a vote and see if your fellow commissioners feel the same way? If so, um, I can put something together. I, I, will, uh, I will recommend that all of you go to the commission, Boards and Commission's website and read the chapter codes, um, read the roles and responsibilities, read the portion about an advisory body, um, and kind of how that goes. And I'm happy to take that information because that information is set in stone and I can present to you on that. As far as a formal communication policy, I think that right now we're just emailing back and forth um, and we're happy to take those emails. However, if the commission feels that you want some specific rules and guidelines around how that those communications happen, um, <clears throat> that can be something that is, uh, you know, figured out, and um, I can also provide information on what that may look like, and you can all decide if that's within your scope of ability. Um, But I do recommend that you go to the Boards and Commission website and read what your scope of service is and read what the expectations are of every commissioner. Um, You know, we're happy to supplement some of that information. We have you for business meetings, and then we have trainings. Um, and some of that information though would be great that we could hone in on it and be very specific. We do have nine roughly meetings and then a handful of trainings, training opportunities. So when we put out that survey to you all in the beginning of the term and the end of the year and you say what additional information are you looking for and Ms. Dominique put one out already for this season, this season, this year. We'll do the same thing for 2024. I recommend that you put on there some of the things that you're struggling with or talk to us. Give us a call. Say, hey, I'm not clear on what this is and we can provide you with that. However, again, I'll leave it to the commission to vote on whether or not that's an item you want to come back.
18: Okay. So do we vote or?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay,
18: cool. Yeah, if you want to, in light of what Sarah just said, if you want to make it a, uh, I understand it now to be perhaps a presentation, uh, you're requesting that staff come back with um, general guidelines that are supplement to the training uh, on policies and procedures and processes. Um, if if that's the item, the commission can vote to uh, agendize that. And then I think, I defer to the clerk's office, but I think that at that juncture, then that item gets added to the log, and then there is just the administrative process of putting that either on the next meeting or or wherein that fits under the clerk's guidelines.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, just just so everyone's clear, I'd like to clarify that this is is an item that should outline, what we as commissioners can expect from our adult allies and what our adult allies can expect from us as commissioners. That's essentially what it is.
15: Um, and- to clarify, there it will be what's written.
1: Right, correct.
15: So we'll right. just reiterate what's already, already there because mm-hmm. we're not gonna be allowed to right. make up
18: right.
15: some of these established things. For sure. Okay.
18: And, and what we do, Chair, is uh, you'd make a motion to right. agendize that and then you just have a normal second and then go for a vote.
1: Okay, um, I will motion. Do I have a second?
6: I'll second.
18: Right.
1: second by Vice Chair miller Um Clerk, will you please call the roll?
0: Please unmute. Commissioner Bizrat. Aye. Commissioner Bergen? Aye. Commissioner Corliss? Aye. Commissioner Fong? Aye. Commissioner Murley? Aye. Commissioner Mukadar? Aye. Commissioner Rios? Aye. Commissioner Taylor? Aye. Vice Chair Miller Segura? Aye. Chair Sue? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes.
1: Great. Okay. Um, the last item on the agenda is public comments matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item?
0: Thank you, Chair. Yes, we have two, one in-house and one online. Could Johnny, is it Josana? My apologies. Mr. Smith, can you please come?
19: Thank you. Um, first off, uh, I got to say that this is amazing. You know, I'm not uh, used to seeing so well-minded youth, you know, and I know you guys are going places and we need you to go places. And and one of the things is, is that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I'm known as Uncle Johnny and uh, I've been a substance abuse counselor for over 27 years. And now I live here in Sacramento and I got Uncle Johnny's transitional home that I'm working on getting it off the ground. The mayor knows about it and stuff like that. I'm associated also with hooked on fishing, not on violence. That's another organization that works with the youth, you know, and then we got, uh, we can work it out. That's another organization that, that works with the youth on entrepreneur on entrepreneurship. Now the thing that, you know, they told me that you guys were doing this today. I've never been here before, but the thing that's got me is this. I need you guys to address this homeless issue. You guys are our future, you know, and I'm working on helping some of these people get off the street and get back in their right minds. You know, and a lot of that has to do with substance abuse. Methamphetamine is keeping them stuck out there, you know. But most of those people were not raised that way. And I'm here to help them get back to where they used to be because I've been there before too. And I understand, and you guys are our future. And I'm very proud. I've been very proud sitting here listening to you guys. I'm like, oh, my God, this is cool. And I'm not used to that environment right now. I live in South Sac. I, live in South Sac. I don't see you guys, but it's glad to see you now, you know. And uh, I'm working hard on my program, and I know it's a God-given thing, and uh, I'm going to do it. And uh, I need you guys' support. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for your comments. Online caller and user 1, can you please unmute?
5: Yes, this is Lambert Davis, and I'm the founder and CEO of To the Bay and Back Cheesecakes. I want you young people to hear this. This is an 18-year-old who convinced me to uh, let her run social media for us. Listen at this. To the band bag cheesecake, the band bag cheesecake, it's gonna be a good day. But the, to the band bag cheesecake, one bite will change your life. One bite will change your life. One bite will get you right. One bite will get you right. To the band bag cheesecake, to the band bag cheesecake, So it's gonna be a good day. With it to the Bag back cheesecake. One bite will change your life. One bite will get you right. To the Bag back cheesecake. To the Bag back cheesecake. That was going to be a good day. With it to the Bag back cheesecake. Now, after she finished that, she's 18, going to college. We went, not only did we go viral on TikTok and Instagram. But we were voted the best cheesecakes in Northern California. And she approached me about that. I'm a baby boomer, so I didn't understand all of that. But she convinced me. So to the Bay and back cheesecakes, we're going to be a factor. And it was because of the young people that convinced me to take it to social media. So God bless you, young people.
0: Thank you for your comments, Chair. We have no more speakers.
1: Great. That concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. This meeting is adjourned at 8.13 p.m.